Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, we got Padraig Harrington on the podcast this week. I actually ran into him at Bay Hill a couple weeks back, had a good chat, and uh, he invited me to walk with him during one of his practice rounds. So we did that briefly, and then he said, hey, let's do, uh, you know, just contract my agent, let's do another uh, chat or something. So here we are, second time on the podcast with Padraig. I love how upfront he is about everything. And I love also, too, behind the scenes, what an elder statesman is so overused. But he's so good with the younger players. I've seen it on the PGA Tour. Taking Shane Lowry under his wing. Taking Paul Dunn. If you remember Paul Dunn, remember he was very close to the lead in the Open Championship in St. Andrews. And he went out on the PGA Tour the next year in 2016. And he just, Padraig was always giving back. So generous with his time with these younger players. And that's just something that we've seen. And it makes sense why they all look up to him. I know they didn't win the Ryder Cup. Yes, that's much as clear. But Padraig still is, is a very helpful mentor for a lot of these young players. And I think it says a lot about who he is, uh, that he's so giving of his time. And I've seen it, like I said, at Pebble Beach. I've seen them have chipping contests with Paul Dunn and with Shane Lowry, <laughs> chipping for ice cream. I mean, this guy is just finding creative ways to keep his players, his friends, sharp on the PGA Tour. It's really a cool thing. So anyway, we'll get to Padraig Harrington. We'll get into the Saudi League. we get into... Uh, what he's thinking about that, his thoughts on the Phil Mickelson comments and what he's looking at with, with that league. I mean, he's got a lot of perspective himself. So we'll get into that here and uh, many other things. Of course, the Masters, he's getting back to play his first Masters in quite some time, in a few years. So that'll be cool. We're going to go down memory lane and see what he's looking forward to about Augusta National. So a lot to look forward to. Hope you guys enjoy it here on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, I'm pleased to be joined by Padraig Harrington making his second appearance on Beyond the Clubhouse podcast with me, Garrett Johnston. And Padraig, you know, it's an amazing year for you. When I look at what you did at Kiowa Island, getting the top five got you into your first, not your first Masters, but back to the Masters for the first time in seven, eight years. It's pretty amazing stuff. But before we get to that, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was there in 2000. Was it 2016 I was at the Masters? So right. not so, quite seven. Don't don't write me off yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it's nice to be back. Uh, I, I'm not going to make up the numbers. I wouldn't be bothered with that. Uh, you know, I want to be a competitive player. Uh, so it was nice, as I said, top four in the PGA. And I, I, I certainly could have saved a few shots that week. I do, but I, it's not one that I look at and go, it's not one that got away from me. That's for sure. I think Phil was going to win that tournament, no matter what happened down the Sunday. If 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 me or Brooks pushed him anymore, I think he had a shot or two in him to 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 finish further ahead. So look, look it was his tournament. Uh, it was a nice bonus to stay in fourth place and get into the Masters. It was su- surprising that you finish fourth in the PGA. It doesn't get you in the U.S. Open, but if you finish fourth in the U.S. Open, it gets you in the PGA. Somebody, not about that. Let's keep an eye out there. All, all, all these governing bodies, please just just listen up to that. Yeah, well, if if I yeah, if I was the PGA, I'd be, you know, 
at this day and age, everybody has to fight their corner as the as the best major. Uh, so yeah, it was interesting. Right, right. Best major. Well, speaking of best major, so many people love Augusta National, and like, like you said, it's been a few years since you've been back as a player. I know you were there, you know, obviously as a captain and and watching things um, more recently. But still, what is the feeling like, Padraig, when you arrive to the property, and especially what are you anticipating this year? Well, you know, in the early years, it's it's obviously a lot of excitement, a lot of distraction when you're playing in the Masters. There's just a lot going on. At this stage of my career, you know, coming back after six years, there'll probably be a little bit of that. And, uh, you know, my goal would be to get settled in as quick as I can. Uh, I know from experience that the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is not that relevant to Thursday. The course can change quite significantly. Uh, so it's not a cor- it's not a week that you can do all your practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You kind of just have to except the golf course is going to be slightly different on Thursday onwards. The conditions are different. The, how you feel is different and, and prepare, prepare for that week. Uh, you know, I think when you're young and naive, sometimes uh, not even that, but when you, you, you tend to prepare for Thursday, whereas if you want to win a tournament, you've got to prepare for Sunday. You've got to take that chance that, you know, and not overdo things Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and, and Augusta with the nice practice facilities. There's always, there's always that temptation to overdo Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and, you know, even if you play well, then on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're, you're, you know, you haven't got hundred percent of the energy you need for Sunday. Interesting. I love that you mentioned Sunday, Padraig, because it really comes down to the back nine on Sunday at the masters. Padraig, can you win the masters at this stage, the way the work you've put in, can you win it? Uh, yeah, I, I believe that it doesn't make any difference what the reality is. Uh, I have to create my own reality and I believe it. Yeah. I, I, I'm in my head, I'm visualizing winning. I'm going there and practicing and getting ready to win. Um, that's, there's no reason for me not to think like that. And, and it, it doesn't make any difference what the betting would say, what the reality situation is. Uh, to get performing that week, I've got to believe that. And I, physically, I don't give up much uh, to these players, a little bit mentally. So, uh, you know, I, I get to work on my mental game over there. I've got three, four weeks now to get ready. And if I do good preparation, I know my game would be, you know, mentally I can get my game where it needs to be. Interesting. But the other aspects, you said your long game, it must be feeling good. And and the rest of the short game, everything else coming together, it seems. Yeah, you know, physically I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same category I've always been uh, on tour. So there's always going to be really long hitters. And I've always fallen into the category just behind them, and I'm still there. So uh, there will be not the length won't be an issue for me at all. Uh, it will all come down to how I put during the week and how you know how good I do my routines on my on the rest of my shots. Mm, definitely. Well, that's your game there. And when you think about step outside of your game for a second, think about the experience at Augusta, showing up to Amen Corner. For those golf fans listening right now that have never been to Amen Corner, what is that feeling like, Patrick? As I say, first time, it's there's a lot of distraction, nerves. Uh, but over time, with experience, you, you you learn those holes. You learn, especially twelve. You learn what the winds do and, and which winds to be careful of. Uh, you know, it depends on the direction of the wind, whether it swirls and and what shot you have to take on. And and through experience, you understand which shots have worked for you on those holes over the years. 
so yeah, it, it, it is intimidating, and, and that, that's the, the, the thing with Augusta. It's it's one of the most intimidating golf courses because a lot of times you're hitting shots that if you hit a great shot, you can make a birdie or an eagle off, but if you hit a bad shot, you can make a double bogey. So it's not like easy golf holes. You know, you, you give us a, a brute of a par four that's just you know five hundred yards long into the wind, but you know, you're either making four or five. It's not a big deal. But, you you know, there's holes in Augusta that, you know, 13 and 15 are perfect examples that, you know, you hit two great shots, you're going to make an eagle. Hit a bad yeah. second shot, you're going to make double bogey. So it, it, it just, or a bad tee shot in 13. Yeah, it, it's just one of those, it's one of those courses that you're just always on edge. There's a lot of, uh, it's what's brilliant about it. it. It really does, they have great control over us as players. Uh, you know, by moving, yeah. they they know if they move a tee box five yards forward, eight yards forward, 12 yards forward, what difference that makes to strokes gained on the hole. They know what difference moving the pin position three feet closer to the tier makes on the hole. Because they, they go back every year and they watch everything that the players do, not just in the tournament, but in practice. They have a great idea. They, you know, you won't see, they don't have problems like some of the other majors go to new vet relatively new venues new experiences and they're still teasing out what pin positions can be used and not used augusta has seen it all they've used pin positions like i remember before they lent the golf course they started getting some really really tricky pin positions yeah. uh, you know they've learned from those situations now they have a bigger stronger golf course they can move the pins you know three yards away from a tier rather than three feet away from a tier and that's you know, for playing ability, it's much fairer, much stronger course. And, uh, you know, when it was shorter, it was tricky. Uh, and, and that's, the, like I said, that's the beauty for Augusta. They have that control. They have that ability to decide. They can decide whether we're going to shoot 75 or 65. It, it, it's very much in their hands, the, the, all depending on how they set the course up. And as I said, ultimately, they have, from experience, they have the control to, to understand exactly how each and every hole will play depending on how they set it up. Hmm. As a competitor, Patty, getting into Augusta, playing that, that golf course, is there a sense of putting pressure on ourselves? I know Rory going for the slam, he wants it so badly. I, I know for you, you'd love that green jacket to join your trophies behind you. How do you manage that expectation? Certainly not the same expectations of me as there are Rory. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, point. it's, I, I'm going there and I've nothing to lose. It's a, it's a, you know, as I said, in my head, I'm creating the reality that I can win, but I'm not, if I don't win that week, nobody's going to be talking. Uh, in Rory's case, they'll clearly be talking about him if he doesn't win. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, he's in a tough position. You know, there has to be a fourth one when it comes to the Grand Slam. There's always going to be a last one to win. Augusta is it. Uh, you would think it sets up perfectly for him. Uh, you know, it, it really does suit. If you can drive the ball well, well at Augusta, it really it, it, people don't realize how tight the golf course is off the tee. You need to hit really good drives, a lot of drivers, and you need to hit them well to set up those approach shots. Uh, yeah, if, if you miss fairways, those approach shots become near impossible. If you're hitting the fairway, you know, as I said before, it gives you great opportunities to make birdies. So, uh, yeah, you, you would think the course sets up really well for him. He has done well there in the past. So, you know, 
it, it, as an outsider looking in, and it's always very easy as an outsider, you just, you know, tell him, be patient. He's probably going to play another, you know, 20 US or Masters. So he, he's got plenty of time to win one. He just needs to understand that, you know, it could be a case he doesn't win one for the next five years and then wins three in a row. Who knows? So uh, it's hard, though, to be patient and wait. And uh, But he has to. That's the only reality. He can't force it, can't push it. It's not, it's not like... I know he's tried many different routines and, and that's a, not a bad idea to try a different preparation, different approach just to give himself a different feel, but uh, it will fall in place at some stage. Yes. I, I totally agree with that. He's got the heart, the, 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 the grit for it. You mentioned something. The temptation is to overdo it, Patty, when it comes to preparation for the masters, but I'm talking about in general, you have, you, you've done everything. You, you've prepared for every event. You've changed things all the time. You, you're the picture of success in that regard. What is it about this stage right now, age 50? Is there anything else you can, any other stone you can turn? I'm always looking. Uh, I don't think I'd get up in the morning if I didn't have something to look forward to. So I, there's always something in my golf swing that I'm thinking of. Might necessarily be fully committed to working on, but I'd be thinking, okay, that's what's in my mind. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm trying to do. And and obviously then when I get a break, I, I, I get into it a bit more. I think as I got to this age, I just have to be a little bit mindful that I uh, can't do quite as much. I, I still probably do as much or more than anybody else, but I can't do as much as I might have done a few years ago. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I have to be careful. And, I, you know, it's not quite in my makeup. You know, I, I always look back at Monty. Monty never practiced. I know I used to be jealous of that in some ways, but ultimately he was preparing himself for Sunday, whereas I did a lot of practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and was just worried about missing the cut. I, I can't tell you how many times I've practiced on a Saturday evening when I was in contention and improved my game going into Sunday and hit the ball better on Sunday, but didn't play as well. So in hindsight, right. you know, if I look back at something like that, I would say, you know, this is a great tip that I wouldn't want to be given to all the pros out there. But, you know, if you're listening in, fair enough. Uh, you should never practice at a tournament if you still got a chance of winning the tournament. So you should never change anything if you have a chance of winning the tournament. So stick with what you've got. Once the tournament's gone, I couldn't care less. I wouldn't be bothered with like even even Augusta, I couldn't care. I don't want to finish second. You know, it's 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 irrelevant to me. You know, when you've won three majors, there is nothing but winning. So I'm not going there to to finish fifth or second or or any or top ten. And you know, I get a little bit annoyed with people when I I. I Somewhere recently, uh, a couple of I, I, I finished 20th in Dubai, uh, sorry, 20th in Abu Dhabi and 10th in Dubai, something like that. And people said, well done to me. And I'm kind of grimacing a little bit. Well, what do you mean? Do you not think I'm good enough to win? It wasn't a backhanded compliment, but yeah, look, I, I just don't want to be comfortable finishing 10th. I, I always had a bee in my bonnet with, with when. Not now, it's 200 grand for finishing 15th. But back when I started in the, on the tour, I think about 15th was about 100 grand check. Not when I started, but when maybe 2010. And I remember, well, and, you know, congratulating her on the range sort of thing, you know, well done, 15th place. 
I go, what are you doing? Just because it's a, it, it's that threshold of 100 grand, you can't be happy with 15. No. You can't be happy with shooting. I, okay. Be happy with shooting 60, 15 on a Sunday. Fair enough if you shot 76 on a Sunday to finish eight and play yourself out of, comp, out of contention. That's a good week because you were in contention and you'll learn something. Yes. You know, so I've no problem with a guy who, who, who's got himself in the lead, in around the lead, and just faltered, had a bad Sunday, something, you know, just didn't fall right and not winning the tournament. That's a good week. But shooting 65 on Sunday, it feels good, but it ain't a good week when you do that to finish top 10. That's, that's, there's, there's nothing to be congratulated about, but you do take some confidence from playing well, obviously. It's, it's one of those things. I think you, you, the only time it's a good week is when you think you have a chance of winning the tournament. Yeah. Well, speaking of tournament and, and being in the mix there and, and practicing during a tournament, I know you played a lot of practice rounds with Phil Mickelson over the years at major championships at big, big, big venues like that. So, of course, we heard his comments. We all know what's going on. It, it is what it is there with his comments. But I'm curious, the draw at your age, Patty, at 50, what is the, the concept of this of this extra league, this the Saudi league, if you will? Does, does it attract some, you know, people who are in their fifties? Like, do you see where, where, where that would be coming from? Well, I, first of all, I'm right in the middle. I'm, I'm obviously gone now for the PGA tour in some ways. I'm champions tour and I, and I, I haven't, I've no allegiance with the new super leagues or anything like that. So I'm, I'm kind of right. sitting in the middle looking at it all. Uh, and it's interesting. It's great that, you know, people want to put money into golf uh, you know, with the Premier League, we're up first, obviously. And and I do feel that it was, you know, with the PGA Tour, they have to be wary going forward because ultimately if uh, Amazon Prime or somebody came in and said, we want to start a league, 15 events, and we have two to four billion. I know that sounds like a lot of money, but two to four, but it is a lot of money. They can buy the main assets of the, play, of the, of the PGA Tour. The main assets being the players. Uh, yeah. So I, I believe that PGA Tour need to actually lock up right now where they have that window of opportunity. They actually need to lock up the rights of the players. Uh, you know, I, I've been saying this in Europe for years that if you sign up to play in Europe, you should, once you sign to be a member of Europe this year, you have to give a commitment that you're going to play six events the following year and three events the year after if the tour so wants you to. And that should be the same with the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour, there's nobody wouldn't sign to play with the PGA Tour if they said, right, you have to sign a two-year non-commit. Yes, you know, non-compete, sorry. Yeah, yeah, everybody would sign up, even if it cost the tour a dollar to pay to us to do it. So in so as much as we are independent contractors, we actually have to lose that in order for the tour, for somebody not to come in and buy us out. You know, this one, you know, the, the argument against the, 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 the Saudi League generally went down the moral grounds. But clearly, right. that's not a defense against the U.S. venture fund coming in and, and doing this. Uh, so the tour have to figure a way to, to lock the players up. And, and that, that seems reasonable. I don't see why every, most businesses in the States have a, a non-compete for six months, a year, two years, something like that. I think the players would be happy to sign it. The tour is in a great place. They're, they're, and remember, the players are generally, 99.9% of the players are happy with where they're at. That doesn't mean that if there's something else, if the market's offering something bigger and better, doesn't mean that players won't be attracted to that. So it's not that uh, people are, are, are questioning, you know, about, you know, are we not earning enough? Of course, we're earning miles more than what we all ever dreamed we would earn. 
But if the market dictates that there's more money there or there's something else there, that's just the market. It's not our, it's not us, nothing to do with us. The, the market dictates it. And, and so the tour need to be wary of that and, and make sure that there's, you know, constraints in place, I suppose, which seems fair enough. If, I, if, if you join a company, you, you can't, you know, most companies won't let you leave and go to their competitor for a while. So uh, that seems like a, a logical process. Uh, but it is interesting, at least they're talking about it. Uh, you know, and I, I, I know, I can understand Phil's main gripe, you know, that the, you know, Phil likes to be the center of what's going on, he, you know, yeah. and, you know, I guarantee you, he wants, he, he said this, he wants to be involved in NFTs, you know, let's, you know, and if you went to the PGA tour, you know, fellas, I suppose, a lot of fellas, you know, they're all talking about Bitcoin and blockchain and now NFTs and things like that. And Phil understands that his most iconic moments, he doesn't own. And and he's, yeah. but you now that what's what's interesting about that his most iconic o- o- moments are not with the PGA Tour they're actually with the majors. Yeah, Masters the jump. So yeah. It, 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 the jump at the Masters would be it. He, he uses that. that I, I'm sure he has that. Uh, his the IP on that jump. It's branded. His <laughs> his logo. He uses it, but he doesn't actually have the footage of that from the Masters. He can't make an NFT out of that unless he gets some agreement with with, with, with Augusta. So, you know, he probably should be looking at them more for, you know, can I use the media rights and things like that. So it, it, it is an interest. That's certainly something Phil wants to be that guy, doesn't he? He wants to be the new innovative guy. He wants to be out in front. Uh, he, he wants to, that. that's his personality. And, uh, you know, the NFTs definitely has irked him a bit that he just, Wow, I don't, I can't do this. I can't, I can't have this. Uh, so maybe that will change. I know the PJ Tour talked about changing uh, down the road. Uh, you know, and maybe there should be some sort of revenue share between the players. If you create create an iconic moment that you can make an NFT out, uh, something like that down the road. Uh, there's no doubt. Phil's push or. Let's see. Let's start with Premier Golf League's push, which was obviously the first forerunner. They're still around as well. They're still trying to get this going. Gotcha. Uh, is a separate to this to the Saudi Golf League one. Uh, they, you know, they maybe pushed the PGA Tour on a bit. You know, they're playing for twenty million this week. Uh, there's certainly been a few the pip. There's been a few other things that have might have happened in three, four, five years time that have happened quicker. So, uh, you know, all talk has actually been. There has been a move to, to more resources being given to the players. And, and, and again, a look, I know the tour itself will be looking into different models for, for tournaments and things like that down the road as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, as much as it's disruptive, sometimes disruption leads to better times. Mm. Do you think the Saudi League, you're talking about Premier League, but do you think the Saudi League will come to fruition here with, you know, the next couple months? Like, what would you, you know, you know, who knows? Know. Uh, the right. rumor was seven, seven players had signed up. Uh, but I believe that there are certain t- conditions have to be in place for, the, for it to go ahead. So that even though they signed up, they might have to go because of the fact that if they don't get a full... Uh, a high enough ranked players in the world or something like this. I, I, as I said, I'm not privy to this. I, I'm only hearing the rumours. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I'm surprised, you know, clearly they want success, the Saudi Golf League. I'm surprised they didn't go with the bottle, build it and they will come. Because yeah, again, right. again, 
you know, if they if they if they're running 15, 20, 15 events at twenty million dollar prize funds, and you know, a good example, I played opposite the Saudi event in in Rasa Kimer, Rasa Kimer. So I played, so I played for two million that week, and the Saudi event was far in the same area. That made no difference to me. I wasn't looking over 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 the fence and go, oh, they're playing for five million. I'm playing for two million. Now, if they were playing for twenty million or twenty-five million, I'm playing for two million. I'm going to go. Hang on a second here. That guy's not as good as me, and he's after making. You know, he's had an average week, and he's made five hundred, and I've made fifty grand, or you know, or yeah. you know. So, the the if 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 build and they will come, will definitely it will it's attract lower ranked players to start off with. But as I said, all of a sudden people will be going. Well, you know, that's a very lucrative. He's not as good as me, and he's making five million a year, and I'm making a million. Well, I should go there. You know, I'm just talking like if you were a young guy on, on the European tour, you know, a, a decent player on the European tour. Things have been tough enough with COVID over the last, but like good players are, you know, are in around the two hundred grand prize money before their expenses. So they're, you know, by the end of the year, they're not, you know, they're not clearing. It sounds great, two hundred grand, but they're not clearing a lot by the end of the year. That player playing fifteen events for twenty million would be clearing three, four million. So you could see right. the attraction of of, of building they would come. But again, the Saudi Golf League they want success, so they want to make sure they want to guarantee it by having the best players there originally starting off. So, uh, you know, does it, do I see it go ahead in that format? It's stalled so many times. I really don't know, uh, but I, I think the PJ Tour have to be wary of somebody else it's worth six billion uh, as a franchise the PGA Tour you've got to think I have no idea what they'd be worth if they're on the publicly traded but 10 to 20 billion would, wouldn't seem unreasonable and right. yet you can buy their you can buy their main assets I'm not saying that all the assets because obviously the staff and, the, and then the technology that they use is very important but you can buy the main assets for for probably two billion right. maybe a little bit more so so it's it's simple the pj tour has to lock it up somehow and make sure that you know make sure that nobody can just step in and take what they've built definitely i would like to get to st andrews i love i love that venue i started transition like that but it is such an amazing venue what did you think of st andrews would be like as a kid you know, before you actually got there, what were your thoughts? Uh, I don't know what I thought of it as a kid. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I really only knew as a kid. And remember, there was a lot less coverage. The Open was covered, obviously, over here. Like when I was growing up, the only golf we got on TV was the, the Open Championship all four days. Yeah. Or something. The Masters from eight o'clock at night for four nights, and uh, we would have got the Irish Open as well on TV, local terrestrial TV. St Andrews would have been very much seventeenth, first seventeenth and eighteenth. That's the holes you would know, uh, <laughs> and I think seventeen for me would have been the one that just scared the life out of me. I'm that sort of person. Like, how am I ever going to play the seventeenth hole? What, what if I get stuck in the bunker? Like I'd literally have nightmares of getting stuck in the bunker and never getting out, you know. So I, I think very much getting there was all about the first tee shot. And still to this day, I was standing the first tee and I will be nervous. 
I'd be nervous if I hit it out of bounds. And I don't care what anybody says. The first hole may be 120 yards wide, 140 yards wide. But you'd feel like such a fool if you hit it out of bounds that you're under pressure. And the 18th is quite is a reasonably tight tee shot because if you're trying to hit a good tee shot, you have to go somewhat up the middle to the right where the out of bounds is. So, yeah, they're intim- they're, they're, there's some intimidation because of the history. Uh, I'll have the, as I said, the hairs will stand up on the back of my neck on the first tee. Uh, you have never won the tournament until you played the 17th. So I've won a couple of Dunhills. Dunhill links, yeah. But you know, this 17th hole is the one, you, you know, it doesn't matter what lead you have, that hole keeps you on your toes onto your through that. Like if you had, you know, if you had a three or four shot lead, you could lose it on 17. When you get to 18, if you've got a two shot lead or something like that, you you, you could start waving at the crowds. So, uh, yeah, look, it's incredibly special because the first and 18th are in the town. The first is underneath the RNA clubhouse. The 18th is right up there. It's, it's just so iconic because of who went before you, uh, the history and traditions, and it, and it's a really fun golf course. It's a great course to play. I will say they've made it a little easier over the last couple of years. The, the RNA, the, not the RNA Trust, the St. Andrews Trust have taken a lot of the trouble out of the golf course to make the rounds quicker for the amateurs. So there was a lot of gorse and stuff that really came into play, and they've stripped it all back, so it's nowhere near as tight as it was 10 years ago. And uh, you know, there was some really intimidating tee shots 10 years ago with that course. And you mightn't hit it in it too often, but it would, they were intimidating. That's, that's all gone now. Uh, but a little bit afraid, obviously, when we get there this year, that if it's not windy or the conditions aren't tough enough, that the pin positions will get tricky. And as I mentioned earlier with Augusta, yeah. there's love at the first setup, easy. And we hate an easy golf course set up tricky. And not that St. Andrews is easy, but they will be afraid of low scoring. And they, you know, the pin positions could get very tricky if, if the conditions are too nice. Yes. Away from the open though, let's just, just see St. Andrews itself. The moment you're on the Swilkin Bridge, how does that feel? Like just, you know, what is that moment like? It's a whole occasion. You know, St. Andrews, it's when you arrive in the town, you're at the golf course. That's the, you, you've got to understand it's not the, it's not just on the first tee. It's everything about it. It's 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 arriving wherever you're staying. It's it's the whole atmosphere. Everybody in the town is it seems to be focused on golf. Uh, you get to the golf course. You've been building up for it. The excitement of the day. And I, and I will say, you you're not on the 18th. You're not on the Swilkin Bridge on 18 feeling any like it's it should you should be feeling it's over at that stage. But it's still very exciting to stand there. And obviously for first time. I just don't think you can beat the first tee for the first time, person. That, that's for me, underneath, underneath the windows of the RNA clubhouse. The 18th is very special at Swilkin Bridge, but the first tee is the one for me. Do you rem- remember what you said your playing partners the very first time or, or, or just that moment, that excitement, the very first time? I probably was too nervous to say anything. <laughs> just in my own little world, trying to, you know, yeah. And, and as I said, still to this day, the hair, st- hair stand up on the back of my neck when I get there. It's It's just a... Really special place. And the first hole, by the way, when it comes to championship golf, is not easy either because right. they, they generally put that pin only three or four yards over the Swilkin Burn. I've hit it in there. It's my second shot of the tournament and <laughs> felt like the tournament was over. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, there, there are some great holes and tests on the golf course. It has stood the test of time. Uh, clearly, 
technology doesn't help if the conditions are, are, are benign. Uh, but, you know, each individual hole can, can show its teeth for sure. What about just the people there? You get to the pubs. Like, what is it like in the town of St. Andrews, Patty? Yeah, look, yeah, you have two sides to it. You have the older locals. You have the tourists. Three sides, I should say. The tourists, and then you have the students. Students are going about their life, but the older, the older <laughs> residents, they're all into the golf. They've seen it before in some ways, uh, and then you, you know the tourists who are probably the biggest trip of their life. So there's always a beautiful atmosphere in the village or the town of St. Andrews. And uh, it's grown over time too. You know, when I was there 20 years ago, the, you had the choice of, you know, one or two restaurants. Now there's, you know, everything you can think of is there. Uh, so yeah, it, it, like everywhere else, to, to be honest, any, any place that has a reoccurring uh, tournament, Maybe St. Andrews wouldn't have needed the reoccurring tournament, but most any venue that has a reoccurring professional golf tournament, it really the amount of infrastructure improvements over my 25 years career has been phenomenal. So the old course, though, just Dunvegan, what, what, how special is Dunvegan? They all are. Okay. You know, yeah. you got to go into Dunvegan, you got to go in, you got to go into the old course clubhouse, uh, you got to go into, sorry, when well, you can't, sorry, the new course clubhouse. If you can get into the RNA clubhouse, that's great. If you can go into the 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 hotel, uh, you got to do all the sightseeing. Dunvegan is the easiest one, obviously. Uh, they're very welcoming in there. They love the tourists. There was great buzz at the Open or or any championship. It's it's the place to be. Obviously, uh, it's not as easy to get into the. I'm forgetting the name of the old course hotel, the little little bar. The cottage, oh, anyway. The, jig, the jigger look, in, there's, the jigger there's in, yes. The jigger in, yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, there's a great atmosphere, a great buzz, and you know, if you do get an opportunity to go there, you've got to go see all these places and and be in them. But the whole town has a has a has a really nice feel to it, and you can walk everywhere, which is another beauty of it. You, you can walk around it, and uh, not just safe; it's easy to get around. Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. You're, you're a good man. I appreciate all your help. Uh, no problem. Okay. Thanks good for luck. joining, Patty. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Big thanks to Padre Harrington for coming on the pod. I Hey, listen, you got to say he's got some perspective on, on these different tours. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be offered, a lot of different opinions. But Padre has seen... And, and been through a lot with different tours in his career. So you got to give him at least that. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll get to more here on Beyond the Clubhouse down the road.